Welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, April the 29th, and wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, my friends, bless you. I wish you God's grace and life. Thanks for being present and breaking open God's word with me. I, I just, man, I just am so grateful that there are people that want to do this. And um, I hope that, again, immersing ourselves, and I include me in that, my friends, uh, just assists us with that walk, whatever it is, even if it's a, a small fraction of a step every day to help understand who God is, not only in our heads, but in our hearts and, and help us to say yes, because really that's the only thing we need to be saying somehow. Yes. And, and my friends be good to yourself when that yes is not full, be good to yourselves when that yes is not constant, uh, be great, graceful I, I, with yourselves because that's just the, the journey of, of being human. But uh, to be able to open ourselves more to that yes and allow that spirit to help us be born from above, right? And, and that we live those heavenly things and, and not earthly things. It's, it's a long journey, long journey. So, hey, gosh, we're at the end of April already. Tomorrow is the last day of April, which is amazing. We're going to head into May. And I, um, yeah, I just hope it's been a good one for you. And um, we'll lift up where God's inviting us. And we'll lift up uh, all those situations in the world as well. And uh, where God is inviting us there too, in terms of assisting and walking with those sisters and brothers who are, are hurting right now. Uh, okay, we're going to switch gears. We're going to stay with John's gospel. We've been through John 3 much of this week, if not all of this week. I think we started uh, in a different place, but... John 3 took up most of it. We're going to go to John 6. Uh, it's important. It's an incredibly important chapter in John's gospel, but I'll, I'll wait. I'll do the gospel. It's a little longer, and then I'll explain why. My friends, the gospel we're going to do today is John 6, 1 to 15. I'll do it out of the New American translation. Um, but it is so multilayered. There's so much there. Just know no way on earth I'm going to cover everything, but we'll just kind of cover a few things for us to chew on today. Sound all right? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish feast of Passover was near. When Jesus raised his eyes and saw that a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, Where can we buy enough food for them to eat? He said this to test him, because he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, Two hundred days' wages worth of food would not be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many? Jesus said, Have the people recline. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place, so the men reclined, about five thousand in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining, and also as much of the fish as they wanted. When they had had their fill, he said to the disciples, Gather the fragments left over, so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them and filled twelve wicker baskets from, with fragments 
with fragments, not fragrance. They filled 12 wick wicker baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves that had been more than they could eat. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This is truly the prophet, the one who is to come into the world. Since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that so good? So good. All right. So, a couple of things just to set the scene, because it's, I, I mean, the imagery here, if it doesn't remind you, let me point the way, and the next time you, you hear it or you hear the other, you, you may hear this. Um, or you may tie that them together, I guess is what I'm trying to say and saying poorly. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. What does that sound like to you? I will tell you. Go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Almost word for word. Jesus went up on the mountain and sat down with his disciples. And when he saw the people, they came to him and he began to teach them. And he starts with the Beatitudes. And he begins the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if John was familiar, whoever the author of this gospel is, was familiar with that gospel. But I have to believe that, that he was or they were as a community, or she, whoever it is, and, um, and mimicked that. You know, Jesus, for three chapters in Matthew's Gospel, teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus here on the mountain teaches as well, but he does it in a very different way, right? I, I, again, whether that's accident and coincidence, or whether that's purposeful, <clears throat> I think it works both ways. And both are true. Both are true. The Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew's Gospel, are three of the most beautiful chapters in all of Scripture. This rendition of the feeding of the 5,000 is one of the most beautiful stories in all of Scripture. And both point to the same place of who God is. All right, next. And this is no way this is coincidence. And it's, it's just a, a cast-off line. Probably didn't even pay attention to it when it was said. But it was said right after Jesus went up on the mountain and there sat down with his disciples. Do you know what the next line is? The Jewish feast of Passover was near, period. When Jesus raised his eyes, saw a large crowd coming, he says to Philip, where can we buy him food? And then we're on with the story. Why would they say that? Has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> Unless it has everything to do with everything. Which it does. Which it does. Why? Because you know this. You've been listening to me and I've been talking too darn much about it. But you know that John's Eucharistic theology is not at the Last Supper. Right? You know that. John chapter 13, what does he do? He washes the feet. It's not Passover for John's gospel. I mentioned it ad nauseum uh, when we were approaching Holy Week, right? Because Jesus is the Passover lamb that is killed on the feast of Passover and will be, you know, the lambs were killed in the afternoon so they could be eaten that night. Break none of his bones, all those things. Jesus is the Passover lamb in, in John's gospel. So for the Last Supper, it's not the Passover. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's all Passover at the Last Supper because that's their Eucharistic theology. John moves it to 
chapter 6, right here. And he connects it with Passover. So the rest of chapter 6, and I think we're going to get it all next week. We're going to hear the philosopher Jesus and the, uh, I mean, he's just going to be talking Eucharist, Eucharist, Eucharist. It's everywhere. But he starts it out here. The Jewish feast of Passover is near. He's connecting Eucharist with Passover. Because the others did the same. Because Jesus did it. And what does he use? First, we use the feeding of the 5,000. Why would that be important? Why? Because Jesus himself, okay, what does he do? Ask Philip, hey, how are we going to feed him? Ah, 200 days wages aren't going to do it, you know? But Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, right? Andrew, one of the first disciples. In fact, in, in this gospel, Andrew was one of the ones that followed him right away. He and Philip, they were the two. And Andrew's the one who goes and gets uh, Simon. Uh, this, they weren't in the boat. That's, that's a different gospel. Um, Andrew comes forward and says, well, listen, there's a boy with five barley loaves, two fish, but what good is that? I mean, he, he presents it, but he undermines it at the same time. In a sense, he has a kernel of hope, like, okay, we got five, five loaves here and two fish. It's, I'm like, I've got less than 1% of hope that, that I'll give this to you and you can do something with it. Because I'm going to tell you, what good is that? And that's 99.5% that I'm thinking, what good is that? But I'm going to give you that 0.5% and see what you can do. That's all, that's all he needs. God just needs an opening. God just needs an opening. And he can deal with it. But when we're closed, when the door is shut, you can't get in. But if the door's open a crack, the smallest of cracks... Spirit can get in that. And, and you know what? Credit to Andrew. Credit to Andrew. Because he opened it up a crack. Philip didn't. Philip just said, 200 days wages, forget it. I'm out. I'm out. No way. Andrew said, let me open the door a crack. It's ridiculous. I know it. But what about this? And remember how next week we're going to hear Eucharist all through John chapter 6? What are the elements? What are the elements of Eucharist? always present. Jesus takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and shares it. And that's what we hear here. Sorry, that's what we are going to hear in this story. How about I say it that way? Have the people recline. So they reclined, 5,000 in number. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining. And as much fish as they wanted. The fish are in there. And, and there are scholars who believe that the fish is probably an early sacrament as well in the church. That just fell away. Didn't, didn't make it all the way down to 2022. Um, and, you know, really, how are you going to break the, the fish and, and distribute that? Bread is a much easier symbol there anyway. Gather the fragments left over so that nothing will be wasted. How many wicker baskets full? Twelve. Twelve. Coincidence? Come on. Come on. Why would there be 12? Why? Because each one of the disciples then gets to take it, right? Remember, these point to us. They point to us. It doesn't just point to Jesus the magician. It doesn't just point to say, wow, how cool Jesus was. Boy, I, you know, I, I'd have followed him around just looking for those cool signs or getting free food. It points to who God is. 
and it points to who we are called to be. So let's, let's use those two points to chew on. First, who God is. Brothers and sisters, Andrew gave a pittance. Frankly, it wasn't even his. It was a boy's, right? But Andrew opened the door a crack, and God, that was all God needed. I don't know what, what your situation is today, how you're feeling, how you're doing, how, how you, you're doing spiritually, how you're doing physically, how you're doing emotionally, mentally. We may be at the end of a rope. We may be uh, you know, just dealing with some, some loss in our life or some hurt in our life or some, some isolation in our life or some anxiety because of something coming up or just some self-doubt or whatever it is. Because I think we live in that place, don't we? In one, one way or the other. Lurching from one episodic, you know, anxiety to, to one of hurt or concern or whatever. And our God says, hey, hey, you, you in that space, I see you. I know you. I love you. And I am present with you. All we have to do, my friends, is open that door a crack and say, Spirit, I can't do it. Spirit, I need you. Spirit, I got this big test. I got this presentation. I don't know what decision to make. Spirit, where, where are you inviting me? Who are you inviting me with? Whatever it is, I need you. Open the door a crack and let God multiply that. Okay? That's God's work. Let God do God's work. God is a God of abundance. We don't need to worry about that at all. But we do have to present our five loaves and our two fish to him. Which may seem ridiculous. And it may seem, whatever we're approaching, insurmountable. I suspect Andrew felt the same. We know Philip did. 5,000, this is all I got. This, this hurdle that's coming before me, I, I got nothing for it. That mountain's too big. Open the door a crack. Okay? Because that's who God is. That's who God is. So what does it mean about us? means the same thing as yesterday that we were talking about. Or, or I don't even remember if it was yesterday or Wednesday, whatever. That we have to testify. That what has freely been given to us, we need to freely give. And if indeed, brothers and sisters, you know and you experience that uh, Eucharistic take, bless, break, and distribute of God, uh, in that issue of your life. Not just Eucharist when we go to Mass, although that's true too, but that whole idea of God is present right now within all this stuff, and, and, and he blesses where we are and, and is able to make it food, is able to make whatever issues we're dealing with life-giving and feeding for us and others. If and when we experience that, we have to give it. All right. He doesn't request that we give it. We have, a, we have a wicker basket. We have a hamper with your name on it and mine that says, okay, okay, you saw what I did. Now you go and do the same. It's non-negotiable. And we don't do it in a preachy way. We certainly don't do it in a condemning or a judging way. We do it in a way that invites because this is who God is. And when we have something that spectacular, brothers and sisters, we have to share it. We have to share it. But that's what Eucharist is, right? 
It's the body being given to us, the body, so we can go share it with the body. (laughs) We're going to get a lot of this in the next week. So just get used to that message. All right, before we we, uh, pray, today's a feast day. It's the Feast of Catherine of Siena. I mean, this is a a high feast day. And uh, we don't change the reading because we're in the Easter season, but but this is a high one. Uh, She's marvelous. And she deserves far more than uh, than I'm going to give you. And so just know that. But this is a woman who was uh, born, so Middle Ages, before the Renaissance. Uh, so this would have been late, late Middle Ages. Um, uh, you know, gosh, 14th century. Uh, a woman who only lived to be 33 was born into a family, get this, of 23 children. She was the, the 23rd. Now, there may have been more. All I read was she was the 23rd. And beautiful, intelligent, uh, filled with joy, uh, Catherine. And uh, in protest, she cut her hair. Her mom was saying, hey, you got to let that grow out so you can, you know, be attractive to the men because uh, that's, that's how they're going to, um, you know, fall in love and give us a dowry or we're giving them, a, you know, we got to give them one, I guess, and, and, uh, and get you out of here. Uh, and she cut it in protest because that's not what she wanted. She wanted a life of prayer. And her mother got very angry, and her dad said, it's okay. Let's give her her own room so she can set it up as a chapel and a prayer, a prayer space. Now, again, two incredible things. I don't, she's young at this point. I want to say she's like eight years old when this is happening. Um, and, uh, and she's already got that sense of the sacred. But two, there's 23 kids. She's getting her own room. Hey, man, we got five, and our kids didn't get their own room. Well, one did because it was odd. We, you know, just we had an odd number. But, I mean, think about that. Um, she eventually, at 18, joins Carmelites. And uh, uh, she is, I believe, third order is, uh, excuse me, she doesn't join the Carmelites. She joins the Dominicans. Forgive me, the Dominican order. Um, and uh, she spends three years in seclusion and prayer. Again, which I think my friends talks about that importance of seclusion Silence and prayer in our world that is so noisy. Uh, And then begins just writing some friends. And through these writings, people come to follow her. Lay and cleric, men, women, it didn't matter, poor, rich. People start following her. And and more and more than what she starts writing about from this place of, of seclusion is what's going on in the world and how our faith needs to interact with that. And people started getting very angry at her. Because some of the things she was saying was going against whatever their business interests might be or whatever their political interests might be. That sound familiar, brothers and sisters? Our faith must interact with the world. And if it does not, uh, we're fooling ourselves. And if, listen, Catherine, uh, you know, dealt with us, why would we deal with anything else? If our Savior dealt with that, why would we deal with anything else? And ultimately, she lived during the time when uh, one of the crusades was going on, and she, she stood against that as well, uh, very firmly, which was not the, the way the winds were blowing within the church, but it was also the time of the schism in the, uh, of the papacy. And so at first one pope went to two, and then two went to three, and she spent the rest of her days in Rome urging unity within the church and offered herself up as that... Uh, you know, oblation that the church may come together as one. 
in uh, she died at the age of 33. Um, she was made in uh, 1939. She and Francis of Assisi were declared the co-patrons of Italy. That's how big a woman we're talking about. Uh, co-patrons of Italy with Francis of Assisi. Yeah, that's that's a pretty big, uh, you know, pedestal that one is on. And in 1970, she and Teresa of Avila were the first two women doctors of the church. That's high praise, brothers and sisters. This is a woman who was, who, who took silence, three years of it, before she had something to say. And when she did, she met with a whole lot of resistance, even within her order. But she was a strong woman. She opposed her mother when she knew what she wanted. She opposed the Dominican order. She opposed the church. She opposed the, the political winds of the day when she knew where God was inviting her. Brothers and sisters, we have a lot we can learn from Catherine of Siena. Let's pray. So we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fifth joyful mystery, the finding of Jesus in the temple. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. Catherine of Siena, pray for us. My friends, have a wonderful Friday, a blessed weekend. 
invite May in well. <laughs>